And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Arthur Staple. We're at a emergency game three post-game podcast with AJ Maletsko. Just finished broadcasting what was a very wacky game. It was. We just finished our hour post-game show too, <laughs> by the way. We had a lot to fill it with tonight, though. That's true. So hopefully not talked out, but um, what do you make of all that? Uh, well, first of all, this is the first time we're doing a podcast in person. I know, which it's is very, very exciting. Um, and here at the Coliseum. So it was a strange game. It was exciting. It was a playoff atmosphere. Um, I, the fans, I thought, were really into it, brought a lot of energy. I was surprised that the Islanders didn't come out with a better start based on the fact that they had two slow starts in Pittsburgh in games one and two. And they come out and they give up a goal early on. Um, that surprised me. I just, that's been the big talk. And when Barry Trotz talks about something, usually he can get his team to do it. Um, and that was one of the, one of the things that I, um, I was surprised by. I like their second period. I like their response. Um, but again, you look at every time they scored, Pittsburgh came back and scored. So it, it was an interesting ebb and flow of momentum. And, and you heard it in the post-game press conference when Barry Trotz said that um, they couldn't get momentum after goals. And that's sort of surprising. Uh, where were you watching the game from? Oh, I was up in the press box. It was nice to be back there. And it's nice to have fans. And I know you were down here. I don't know if you got to pop your head out at least to watch it in person. I Well, we actually found a wireless IFB, so I came out for a little bit. The problem is I got to listen in and I got to be able to talk to the truck. So it was hard because the fans were so excited and it was so loud that it was hard for me to sort of do both. So I watched portions of it out in the stands and other portions of it on our studio. Uh, that third period, I think we got to talk about. I mean, you don't see ten guys in the penalty box ever anymore, and it was it was justified. Like everybody was kind of going at it. Do you think that was, you know, it seemed like it was kind of a deliberate is a too strong a word, but the Islanders were definitely trying to trying to out physical the Penguins because that's an aspect of their game that they can probably take advantage of Pittsburgh in. And do you think it worked? Um, I don't know if you listened to Mike Sullivan's post game press conference. Somebody asked him, um, did do you think you, your team has basically been criticized for not being tough? What do you think? And he said, there are different definitions of tough. And I, I think he's right. They showed a different toughness tonight and not fighting. You know, you look at there were 18 minors in this game. None of them were, there were no fighting penalties. It was all minors. Um, and on that one player timeout, there were 11 issued and six to the Penguins, five uh, to the Islanders. There was some confusion, by the way, Sidney Crosby serving Gensel's second. I still, I'm hoping I bump into the refs a little bit because I need to ask about that. I'm very confused at how that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think there may be something lost in translation based on what we were watching. Um, so what did I make of that? I thought it was a, I think that makes, that's good for the Islanders to exert a little bit of that grit and try to push them around. I was surprised at how Pittsburgh responded to that. From the Islanders' perspective, it's too bad that they responded as well as they did. Um, but I think that for the for the Islanders moving forward, they have to do that. I really like that third, even though um, the fourth line sat in the box for those two minutes. I really liked their third period. I thought they played really yeah. well. Yeah, they were they were kind of key to it. Um, and we certainly need to talk about Semyon Varlamov, who you know uh, I think 
in going over the the goals, uh, well, first of all, Barry Trot said I need to look at the tape when I asked him in the post game, how did you feel about your goalie, which is never a good sign. Uh, so I tend to think we're going to see Ilya Sorokin on Saturday. What about you? Tim? I agree. I agree with you. Um, obviously, Barry Trotz will do Barry Trotz things and we'll all wait and see which Russian goaltender he plays. Um, but, I, you know, to me, I think from the beginning, he would have gone with Varlamov, all things being equal and, and yeah. all the health issues um, notwithstanding. Varlamov wasn't ready to go for game one. Sorokin comes in, plays a great game. And then um, you have that second game, Varlamov gives a soft goal. But I really liked his response. I thought he did a fantastic job in the second, particularly in the third period. So I thought that was a good springboard to sort of him being back. And I think Barry Trotz went back with him thinking that now he's this is his net. He's going to go with him uh, and also maybe help him really shake that early goal off. Um he just didn't – I don't think he gave up soft goals tonight. He just didn't look himself. He didn't look sharp. He didn't yeah. look – the word that Barry Trotz used to describe him after game two was crisp. He didn't look crisp tonight. Yeah, and I think Barry pointing out that they didn't give him a lot of chances, which is true, and some of those chances were really good chances. You still got to make a save. It's the playoffs, you know, especially when your team has clawed their way back uh, on two separate occasions to, to tie the game late. And when you're looking at a goaltender like that, you they've got to make the, goal, the saves that expect – they. You, we expect of them, right? And what differentiates them is that big save, that save they're not supposed to make, that they come up with in this moment that takes the, you know, makes, wows the crowd. And that we didn't see that. We haven't seen that from Barlamov yet. Yeah. So I would, I think we're both in agreement that we'll probably say Ilya Sorokin for game four. I don't think Barry Trotz is going to tell us before <laughs> game four, but that's kind of the way it's going to try to get it out of him though. Nah, that's okay. <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need to get slapped back down on that. Um, what else did you like about this game? If there was anything else to like about this game, they got a power play goal. I think that's great news. Um, I think that they've struggled on their power play. It has not looked good. Um, even the early ones tonight, I didn't think looked all that good uh, for the, through the first four minutes of power play time. They only had one shot on goal. Um, you could see what they were trying to do, try to give it to Wallstrom. Um, they sort of, I think they had trouble entering, entering the zone. Um, there were all sorts of different issues. And then finally, after that scrum, which was very emotional yeah. and, and that to me sort of highlighted it, they go out there and Bovillier takes, what was it? 10 seconds to score a goal. I think that's a big thing for them. Um, and their penalty kill was good. I mean, they weren't as tested on the penalty kill, but it has been good through this series and that needs to continue because obviously penguins have, uh, a lot of firepower. What impressed you? Scott Mayfield. I mean, I, I it's it's weird to say because I thought Nick Letty really had a tough game. Like it, the you know, he made a couple bad decisions on the Penguins two second period goals, stepping up on Freddie Goodrow when there's really, you know, this is a guy with his back to the play and the red line. There's no need to step up there. Uh, and then on the third goal, kind of like let's suck or get by him and then he still got room to go back, you know, backhand forehand and a great shot, but you got to be able to get your stick on him there. Um, and so they, you know, they're a pair that we've talked about a lot and they've struggled a lot and they've had some good moments, but Scott Mayfield may be their best defense, but certainly in the offensive zone these last two games. Yeah, he's been good. And I think when he scores that goal too, it might give both him and Letty a little bit of confidence, right? And, and after with that scrum that we were talking about with the 11 penalties, Mayfield was down around the net, right? He had jumped yeah. into the play and he was feeling good. And, I, and no matter his role is not to score goals on this team, but if he scores a goal, it's going to give him a little sense of confidence that he can breathe a sort of exhale a little bit. Um, I thought it was interesting. There were a couple times I did notice, even though um, Pelican Pollock were matched with Crosby a couple times with line changes, Letty was out there and he did play Crosby pretty well. There's one sequence in particular I have in my mind. Mm -hmm. He used his legs. His stick was in the right position. 
So he, it's not all bad for Letty. I think the two of them all season have just been disjointed. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. To be, and both of them, have, they're a new pair to each other this season. Now we're into the playoffs, so they <laughs> need to, we got to shake that a little bit. Um, but hopefully they will be able to continue, at, you know, and we'll point on the power play. Letty was carrying the puck up and he was looking for that drop pass, that torpedo, right? And he didn't see it and he made the right decision to carry the puck. He's such a beautiful skater. Uh, he needs to do more of that. And I think that uh, as they get going, hopefully maybe if Mayfield starts feeling good and confident, because he looked great tonight, I agree with you, and got better as the game went on, yeah. maybe both of them feel that. And I think the other thing to like about this game, even though they're down 2-1, is the way that they played Sidney Crosby. You know, those scrums, uh, there was the one where everybody was involved, and then there was one later on with Matt Martin. Sidney Crosby's face down on the ice without his helmet on. It's not something I'd advocate, but it's the playoffs, and that's what you're going to have to do. And, and, you know, Crosby is a tough guy, and he fights through a million different things, and he's been doing it for years. But I think they took him off his game a little bit tonight. They did offensively. Uh, he was phenomenal defensively. I mean, no, he blocked yeah. that, that. Yeah, he made the game saving play too. We didn't even mention he, that. He part. did. I mean, and that's, and Shannon and I just talked about it in the post game. And I know that Islanders fans do not need to hear us go on about, uh, about uh, Sidney Crosby again. But when you look at the way he played defensively and you look at him in the corner and you look at him in that scrum, even. He's doing things that you don't expect superstars to do. But I agree with you. The big thing uh, two years ago in the four game, that four game sweep, Sidney Crosby had one assist in all four games. So to get him off his game is critical offensively. Now it's a little different. Now you got Malkin back in and Carter playing as yeah, well Carter as Carter was. Playing. Carter was maybe their best player tonight. Yeah, he was all over the place, right? And he's got three goals now in the three games, two tonight. So, you know, they do have that depth. But I still I agree with you. I think that that is a that's a uh, bright side. They did take the time and space away from Sidney Crosby. They, you know, if you look at um, when you watch Pelic and Pollock, there's especially Pelic. His stick is always right there in Crosby's face. Always just sort of annoying when Crosby has the puck, and it's a he really does play that gap well. It's a subtle thing, but it's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there were a lot of things I think people got frustrated with tonight. The slow start, not enough good goaltending. But again, with the problems they've had the last two games, these are one goal games as they come down to it. And they had a six on four in game two. Tonight they, you know, tie game into tie it with five and change left and end up giving up the, the winning goal. Um, and it's just that's the Islanders. They're never out of it. It is amazing that they can play so disjointed, not get good goaltending, and still find their way to be in the game. But it's different lines, too. I think up into this, but the first two games, it was the middle six, right? So it was the second and third line that carried them. Matt Barzell's line up until the first period tonight, I thought was have, has been pretty invisible. Even the fourth line has sort of, they've been fine, yeah. but not their usual self. And I thought tonight, again, the first period, Matt Barzell was noticeable. He was carrying the puck. You knew where he was. And I thought after that, maybe not as much. And then you look at the, the third period and that fourth line was dominant. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they only had 10 or 11. I think Clutterbuck was just under 12 minutes of ice time. So there's not a lot of time on the ice for them. And the fact that they were so noticeable and Clutter got two goals, that's impressive work. Very efficient when you're out there for that short amount of time. And it was, uh, but it was Brock's line that actually had the most time on ice. They were all hovering around 20 minutes of ice time. And I thought they were, they were good. They were really solid, got their chances. Obviously Bo had the power play goal, but I, I liked the way they played again. Well, this has been fun. I actually do something face-to-face. -face. was not a fun result, but uh, maybe we'll try to do it again as the series goes on, depending on which teams you're favorizing on your broadcasts. Uh, back to Carolina Nashville for you tomorrow, I assume? Yes, back to that one. Right, well. yeah. So we'll see who uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you again soon. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.